early in the week on our Facebook connections page. We have a couple Facebook pages, our Novation homepage, as well as our Seven Mile Spiritual Growth page, and we have a connection page, and we have a community outreach page. But the connection page is more for fellowship, fellowshipy kind of stuff. And um, I asked early in the week, like, what are your most inspirational songs? You know, if you named your top five inspirational songs, what comes to mind? It didn't have to be worship or Christian, just what, whatever. And, you know, one, the, the one that blew me away that made the list was Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> like, who doesn't get fired up when you hear Who Let the Dogs Out? Man, I'm ready to run through a wall, right? Um, but I was shocked it took till the end of the week that somebody did... Eye of the Tiger from Rocky II. Right? You start getting... But then where was the original Rocky theme song? That's what I was waiting for. Come on. Yo, Adrian. Thank you, Brad. Right on cue. He didn't know I was doing that. Just kidding. Um, when Janelle and I were in Philadelphia a couple years ago, we ran the Rocky Steps. It was fun. And I'm a big Rocky fan. And you think about that, the inspiration that he had when he was always going to be courageous and take it to the next level. Well, today we're starting a new series in the Psalms. Music to live by is what I've titled this. I believe the Psalms are the most inspirational songs ever written, if we can get to the heart of them. The Psalms are expressive poetry, honest, real, transparent prayers that God preserved for us, that written and inspired by, by humans, but also God inspiring it so that we'd have this, this prayer book to look at, to read, to to commune with God through, written by several people. Most of them were written by King David, um, as Christy was alluding to earlier. You know, King David was a man after God's own heart. God called him that even before he was going to, you know, do some pretty heinous stuff. That inspires me. The Psalms were the prayer book of the Hebrew people. Therefore, they were the prayer, it was the prayer book of Jesus. Jesus was very familiar with the Psalms. We were talking about this in our pre-service meeting, that, that as Jesus read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, he would see himself in Psalm 22, and he would have this revelation about who he was. He would see him. There's so much prophetic stuff in the Psalms about Jesus, his life, and his death, and what he was going to do. Many of the New Testament writers, many New Testament passages, quote from the Psalms. So the Psalms are, you can break it down in a few different ways. There's Psalms of instruction, which is what we're going to look one of them today. Psalms of praise and worship, Psalms of thanksgiving, cries from the heart. I love the honesty of the Psalms. And there's Psalms of repentance. So when you think of the poetry books of the Old Testament, you have Job, you have Psalms, you have Proverbs. Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. They're all written in poetry form. The Psalms are our vertical relationship with God. 
getting along with God, getting to know God, crying out to God. And I love the, the, the realness of the Psalms. God, where are you? But I know you're good. I know you're going to show up. But where are you? But God, I know you're good. I mean, there was this tension that happens in the Psalms. But the Psalms are our vertical relationship. Proverbs is horizontal and getting along with one another. You want to know how to get along with people, immerse yourself in the book of Proverbs. The psalmist often says what we're afraid to say in being honest with ourselves and with others. So there's 150 psalms. We're taking selections from the psalms over the next greatest, uh, greatest, I almost said greatest hits. We're going to do the greatest hits from the psalms. We made a playlist of the, of the psalms. We're not going to get through all 150. We're going to do several of them over the next several weeks. So today we're looking at Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 is a psalm of instructions. Instruction. We have modern problems. If we were to ask, what are modern problems that we face? We have discouragement, despair, purposelessness, boredom. We have all these things that bombard us on a daily basis, worry, anxiety. And the Psalms are an ancient remedy to our modern problems. Because guess what? The ancient people had those same problems too. They were anxious, worry, fearful, uh, go into discouragement, despair, etc. So we will be able to relate to that. Often in our world, we think science and technology is the answer to our modern problems when all it does is compound those things. So let's look at Psalm 1. I'm going to read all six verses. How happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction or the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Pretty strong language there. Pretty strong dichotomy that David is sharing with us. So when you think of the word blessed, yeah, that person's blessed or they live a blessed life, what do we mean by that? It's used all over in the Psalms and Jesus used that word often as well. The word blessed means happiness, it means joy, and it means to be satisfied. That's what that means. And sometimes people say, well, no, joy and happiness are, are not the same thing. I, I don't see that when you break down the Hebrew and the Greek and what that really means. One of the definitions of blessed is happiness. Happy, joyful, satisfied is really the heart behind what it means to live a blessed life, that you're satisfied. We live in a world that's never satisfied. We live in a world that's always telling us we need more, more, more in order to be happy. So I've titled this, How Can We Become Happy and Stay Happy? Would you like that, to know how to do that? Some of you are going, well, I'm happy today. Yeah, well, what happens when you go home and 
the sewers backed up or, or you know, any, anything, bad traffic, whatever, you get sick. How do we become happy and stay happy? Because let's, let's be real about this. It's hard. Happiness is elusive. It's like trying to grab the air. It's, it's elusive. You think you have it, and then something happens. Now I'm not happy anymore. So how do we become happy and stay happy? I, I think it's elusive because we look for it in the wrong places and in the wrong way. Definitely. Most of you know this. Uh, baseball is in my blood. My dad played baseball in college. He played professionally. And I can't remember, remember a time in my childhood that I didn't have a bat and a ball in my hand, right? I, anything I could do to play wiffle ball, whatever. And I strived really hard to always get to whatever the next level was. In high school, I wanted to work hard so that I could play in college. I knew I was never going to make the major leagues, but if I played professionally for one game and I could say I got paid to play baseball, that would have been really cool. Well, in college, I got pretty disenchanted with the whole deal. I went out to my first practice after getting a scholarship and I was in right field and there were eight other right fielders and they were just as good or better than me. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to have to work a lot harder here. And I didn't quite have that drive to keep going. And I stopped being a fan of baseball for several years and just didn't care. Something that I was driven by, I went, eh, I don't care. It wasn't until I was a little bit older and we got the Rockies, I kid you not, and I had my own major league team in my own hometown to root for, did my love for the game, kind of got reignited. But it was a purer reason for loving the game. It wasn't about me and what I got out of it. Heavens, you know that as a Rockies fan. It's work (laughs) to be a fan. (laughs) We're weird people. uh, Love punishment, right? So how how can we become happy and stay happy? I'm going to give you four things out of this psalm. The first thing is I need to believe that happiness is possible. You and I need to believe that happiness is possible. And that may sound funny, but let me explain what I mean. There are some people who are genuinely happy. And I believe they've learned the secret of how to become happy and stay happy and live in that state of blessedness, regardless of circumstances. And there's a reality of seeking happiness the wrong way and in the wrong things. Go back to the very first part of this psalm. How happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of, with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. That kind of sounds arrogant, like I'm holy and you mockers. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want to walk in the path of God. I want to walk in the ways of, of our God and not take the advice of people who don't follow the Lord. Not that you can't get anything from that, but they can't teach you what life is about because they didn't create you. Jesus, God created us. And so I think there's four approaches to happiness. Three of them are wrong. The first wrong approach is if I just had fill in the blank, I'd be happy. If I could just find the right spouse, if I could just get the right career, if I could just make that team, If I could get the right house, if I had the right amount of money, then I'd be happy. That's a wrong approach because those things will ultimately let you down as well. Second, 
approach is happiness isn't possible. You probably know people who have said, eh, happiness isn't possible. I tried that. I tried relationships. I tried Jesus. I tried church. Happiness isn't possible. Which then leads to the third wrong way to approach, and that's vacillating between the first two. Hey, if I just got this, then I'd be happy. And you get what you thought was going to make you happy, and it lets you down, and you say, but happiness isn't possible. I see this in marriages all the time with people. Got to get married, get married, get married. Ah, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm not happy. We need to get a whole new definition of what the goal of marriage is. is isn't to make us happy, it's to make us holy. It's to make us more servant-hearted and and Jesus-like. The right way to approach happiness is to understand and believe Jesus' approach to happiness. Jesus gave us an approach to what a happy, blessed life is like, and it's completely counterintuitive to all of us. He said things like, if you want to find your life, you got to lose yours. What? Does that sound fun? I don't lose my life. He said, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We know denying yourself is never easy or fun. But Lord, I really want this. Lord, I want my future to turn out like this. And he says, deny yourself. Give me your future. Give me your choices. Let me show you counterintuitively to yourself how to pursue happiness. Second thing, I need to remember that happiness is not based on circumstances. This is hard to understand. Let's all admit that. It's hard to, to understand. When you're sick or your health is, is bad, it's tough to feel happy. But we have to remember happiness is not based on circumstances. The first mistake we make is to try to find our happiness in our circumstances. Life has its seasons. Just like regular weather, we go through spring, summer, fall, and winter. And me being a Colorado kid, anybody born and raised in Colorado besides me? There's a few of us. It's like the comedian said, he said, yeah, I'm a Colorado native, originally from California. (laughs) That's the truth. But right now it's fall. And I hear people say, oh man, that the leaves are changing and it's crisp in the morning when you wake up and then it warms up and it's, it's like, yeah, I get it. I've been here a long time. Winter's coming. (laughs) And some of you are strange enough that you actually like winter and snow and all of that. That blows my mind. Born and raised, right? Winter is inevitable in your life. It's coming. If you're not in a winter season, it's coming. But the cool part about what this psalm says, says he's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. You know what I get from that? That the tree always has the river. The tree always has the stream. Regardless of it, you know, when you get wintertime and trees are barren and they look ugly and they feel shame, they need like a dog cone over them because they just, they know they don't look good. But they have to have a winter season so that their roots will go deep and stronger so they can produce fruit 
in the spring and in the summer. So you have to have that in, in our life. The same is true for us. If you're in a winter season, Jesus said that whoever believes in him, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within you. We always have access to the river. One of the most life-changing quotes outside of something from Scripture that I've ever read was in a book called The Road Less Travel by a guy named Scott Peck. And he said, maybe life is so hard because I thought life was supposed to be so easy. Think about that. I'm not happy. Get me out of this. This isn't what I expected. Fill in the word life with maybe marriage is so hard because I thought it was supposed to be so easy. You forgot that you married a sinner. Two sinners said I do. Two broken people said I do. Even if you were nice and shiny on your wedding day, two broken people still said I do. Maybe parenting is so hard because we thought it was supposed to be so easy. Maybe ministry is so hard because I thought it was supposed to be easy. Happiness is not based on circumstances. When you go through winter, it, you, you, it always, a winter season is always going to lead you to real happiness if you're still finding it in the source of, of the river of Jesus, the river of the Holy Spirit. When things that you thought were going to be the key to your happiness leave you unhappy, you gotta, we have to look back and say, maybe I'm taking the wrong approach towards happiness, which leads me to my third point. I need to realize that happiness is a byproduct of pursuing what Jesus says produces it. Think about that for a second. It's the byproduct of what Jesus says produces it. In our psalm, he said his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. It's the, the power of the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit bringing life into us and introducing us to Jesus, giving us hope and purpose, how to live. Happiness is found in more than seeking happiness. I could have probably just said that and said, walked off. But happiness is, is found in seeking more than happiness. Think about Jesus' words in Matthew 5 and many other places. But in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said something like, you know, blessed are, and then he filled in those why they were blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they shall be filled. He never says, blessed are those who seek blessedness. Happy are those who seek happiness. It's always a byproduct of doing what he says to do, putting into practice something he says to do. So let's ask the question, should I seek happiness or righteousness? Well, according to Jesus, Jesus says, seek righteousness and you get happiness thrown in. If you just seek happiness, you get neither. That's an important point for us. The person who has genuinely stopped seeking happiness, but genuinely seeks the things that promote it, that person's genuinely happy. A person is genuinely satisfied and walking in joy. If my own happiness is my priority, then I'm going to run over people to make sure I get happy. We'll use people instead of pursuing, serving, and loving 
has the means of finding true joy, satisfaction, and happiness. And then lastly, how do I stay happy, find happiness, and stay, stay happy? I need to choose it. I need to choose happiness. Happiness, as much as you want to argue with me possibly, is not a feeling. It is a choice. You don't sit and wait to become happy. I'm going to wait to become joyful. I'm going to wait to feel satisfied. That's not how it works. It's a choice in our life. And the psalmist says, happy is the man or woman who does not. And then he lists all these things of what not to do in order to walk in that blessedness or that state of, of happiness. And there are always two choices before us. There's always two choices. My way or his way. We deal with this every day. How we think, act, and speak, there's two choices. Am I going to take matters in my own hand or do things my way? Or am I going to do things his way? That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is we give way to him. And we say, Lord, your way is truly better. When he talked about in the psalm that they do not sit in the seat of mockers, they do not sit with the scornful, that Hebrew word for sit means who you belong to, who you follow, who you've pledged your allegiance to. We're going to move into communion. And as we move into communion, take a moment and reflect with me. Just close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes and reflect. I believe most people in this room have surrendered your will to the will of God. But that's not a one-time deal. That's a daily, sometimes hourly, to the circumstances that happen in our life, the way people might talk to us or treat us. Where in your life do you need to say, Lord, I want your way, not my way. And I'm choosing today to walk in your way. Father, as we approach the communion table today, we're so grateful for the life of Jesus. We're so grateful, Jesus, for your sacrificial death that defeated our enemies of sin and death and the evil one. Through your resurrection, you gave us eternal life. We embrace that this morning with grateful hearts. We approach you with humility, Lord. You're a humble Savior and a humble God. We want to approach you in that kind of humility. We want to lay all our burdens, our sins, our faults, our restlessness, our boredom, all of these things that are trying to take away our happiness in you. come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, communion has now several options for you. <laughs> Thank you, world that we live in. The option one is...
I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just <laughs> option one is the old school built, ready to roll for you. No one's touched the cracker. No one's touched the juice. Those are still up here. If that's what you want, we have bread. You can grab, grab a cup of juice. And even for our gluten-free people, you have gluten and both tables are set up this way. So why don't you, as we go into a song, come and grab the elements, whichever one fits your desire today and go back to your seat and we're going to take it together as a family. Go ahead. Yourself down, 
take communion <clears throat> we're following the Lord's instruction to remember what he's done we know we need a reminder daily of what Jesus did in his life death and resurrection and we're told in 1 Corinthians that whenever we take communion we not only proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection but we proclaim his soon coming again looking forward to that He's coming again. He's going to set it all straight. There's not going to be any wars or sickness or COVID or anything like that. No more sin or sorrow. And we're in that transition stage right now where it's a reality what he did, but we're learning how to live in his reality. 
when Jesus died on the cross and how he lived his life and then died on the cross and rose again, he aligned us with the Father. Now our participation in faith is that we align our will to his will and we choose him. That's what sanctification daily is. It's not some mystical experience. It is, Lord, I want to walk with you. Thank you for what you've done. And on the night he was betrayed, he, he broke bread with his disciples. And he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it. He said, take and eat. This represents my body, which will be broken for you. Let's take the bread. on to say that after supper Jesus took a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it and he told his disciples this is represents my blood that's going to be shed for you in the new covenant the sacrifice to end all sacrifices the one that all the sacrifices pointed to was what he was going to do for us he said drink in remembrance of me Lord, we have many things to be grateful for today. I am particularly am grateful for real bread with communion this morning, Lord. I mean it. It's a sign of good things, Lord. You are so good, Father. You gave us your very best in your Son. Jesus, you laid down your life for us. And you've now filled us with your Holy Spirit. May we leave here today, Lord filled fresh and new with gospel eyes as we see ourselves the way you see us through the gospel and through the Lord Jesus that you love us you're our father you're good to us and may we leave here with gospel eyes in the world that's out there Lord Monday's coming we're entering back into the mission field we're entering back into our places of work and our schools Missionaries are obviously, Lord, we know are not just overseas, but it's right here. Open our eyes. Help us to walk in the joy of the Lord that is our strength. To choose your way to find real joy, satisfaction, and happiness. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go from here today, if you want someone to pray with you, we'll have some folks up here as well. If you have any questions about the church or Jesus, and also, you can stop by the info table. I know Jason and Anna are going to hang out if you want to hear just a little bit more about Joshua Nations and really wanted to put their faces with the name Joshua Nations so you guys know who we're talking about. And uh, thanks for being here with us today. Pray it was a blessing to you. God bless you guys as you go. Have a great Sunday and week.